Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to It's Time for More Injury Funding, the podcast for all who want to learn about legal funding and its significance in the personal injury, wrongful death, immigration, medical malpractice, and many other types of law practice domains. I'm your host, Laura, founder and CEO of More Injury Funding, the legal funding counselors with passion for law, medicine, legal funding, and heart for all suffering individuals. More Injury Funding is a sponsor, member, associate, or business partner of this podcast, Academy of Truck Accident Attorneys, Sandy Springs Bar Association, Georgia Association of Paralegals, Atlanta uh, Legal Aid Society, State Bar of Georgia, and Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. In today's episode, uh, we have a very special guest, nationally recognized visual trial strategist, Amy Hall with Visual Trial Strategy located in Napa Valley, California. Welcome to It's Time for More Injury Funding Podcast, Amy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, so who are your primary clients and what do you do for work? Well, uh, so as you said, I am a visual trial strategist and my clients are trial lawyers. So I work exclusively for the plaintiff's bar for lawyers who represent plaintiffs. Um, I work on all kinds of cases, uh, personal injury, medical negligence, uh, premises liability, uh, fraud, and then also specialized areas like trucking, birth injury, um, elder abuse, and every size of case from single plaintiff up to uh, do quite a bit of mass tort work as well. And for over 17 years now, I've consulted on over 400 cases. That's just so, amazing. Yeah, yeah. This uh, I'm in a, a unique position, you know, this POV, this point of view I have, um, having worked with scores of firms all over the country, hundreds of cases, uh, spanning, you know, every industry. And so I've got this body of work now, you know, that represents like the accumulated wisdom of some of the nation's finest trial lawyers. So it, this process that I do, it's like this, uh, like a, um, like a, a machine, a sieve that passes all of this, uh, legal wisdom through. That's amazing. Amy, can you provide our viewers and listeners with your background? How did you get to become a visual trial strategist? What led you to it? Hmm. Well, I feel like I was really like destined for this work. I mean, do you ever get that feeling like where all the events of your life have like conspired to lead you to what you do today? Um, oh, yes. All absolutely. The education, yeah. Training experience of my life led me to this work. Like, for example, uh, back in the mists of history, many moons ago, when I was in college, I worked as research assistant on a university level textbook on cognitive science. So that kindled my interest in the mind and how it works. And during that same period, I also worked as a journalist, uh, writing and editing for a newspaper. I was an assistant editor. And so that honed my like research and writing skills and, and interest in the world and how it works. And I worked as a graphic designer for many years uh, and I spent a number of those years working for the gambling industry. Okay. Internationally. Yeah. So designing uh, game interfaces and also some marketing. So there was a real deep dive to learn about decision-making, risk-reward ratios, uh, emotion, human uh, attention. Uh, so then on the heels of all that, my work in litigation strategy started 17 years ago when I was handpicked by... Rodney Jew. So he's the famed litigation strategist. Rodney is a luminary of litigation strategy, and he has developed a comprehensive, 
highly effective approach to case strategy that it uh, is like a synthesis of case presentation and visuals. Mm -hmm. So I was steeped in Rodney's approach. Uh, He and I worked together side by side for 13 years on hundreds of cases. uh, And together, he and I developed new approaches and new tactics, new strategic methods. And after 13 years of working with Rodney, uh, I'm now on my own and I've been on my own for four years. Congratulations. uh, Thank you. Yeah. So in that time I've worked uh, in that total time, I've worked on over 400 cases and Mm. I love this work. I love learning. I'm omnivorously curious. Uh, So this work satisfies my intellect uh, and my desire to always be learning and also satisfies uh, my passion for justice and fairness. I love uh, helping people. I always say that people who work uh, on behalf of plaintiffs, we can sleep well at night and we're excited <laughs> to get out of bed in the morning because the work we do really matters. It helps to restore the balance for people who have been hurt by the actions of others and it changes the way companies uh, conduct business. So it, it's it so, so all- true. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You have very interesting, very unique background. Let me tell you that. <laughs> uh, can, can you maybe define visual trial strategy yeah. and explain the concept of it? Right. Yeah. So visual strategy, visual trial strategy is built on a simple truth that more of the human brain is devoted to vision and visual processing than any other function, including language. So mm-hmm. this is a non-controversial uh, cognitive science, neuroscience fact. So humans are visual learners. And so when we want to teach and persuade people, uh, we would do well to use visuals. Uh, But visual strategy is, uh, visual trial strategy is more than creating some exhibits for trial. And just because something is visual doesn't mean it's strategic. And that's what's so cool about visual trial strategy as I understand it, as I know and love it. It's a process and it's a result. So the process is how we develop the overall case strategy And then the result is the tangible trial-ready suite of exhibits. And that's what I do when I consult with firms. Mm -hmm. So everything that you do to help the jury has the benefit of helping you uh, to understand what your case is really about. And so that you can focus on what really matters and not waste time or go down rabbit holes uh, that may actually hurt your case or fall for traps uh, laid by the other side. So in a nutshell, a visual trial strategy means demonstrative aids, yes, that are interrelated, interdependent, and strategically sequenced to support every meaningful point in your case. And what is the importance in effectively presenting a case to jurors? Hmm. Well, I like to say we can't beat the brain at its own game. You know, We can use what we know about the brain to increase juror understanding and retention. So I tell lawyers, it's your opportunity to use the natural hardwiring of the brain to communicate your message. I mean, there's a reason why uh, a picture is worth a thousand words is is such a cliche, because it's so true. There's a lot of power in visuals in the courtroom. And as they say, with great power comes great responsibility. So just because you give the jury something to look at doesn't mean you're helping them to understand. So Mm -hmm. I have many visuals that I see out there in use in the world actually get in the way of learning. Because they distract attention precisely because uh, vision is so primary, it's very easy to distract uh, attention to unimportant or irrelevant details. Uh, A lot of visuals are so uh, packed that they overwhelm jurors or they use fancy words or images that ultimately confuse jurors and make them feel disempowered. They're like, I don't know, this is hard. And that's where you'll lose jurors. So 
um, using visuals effectively is is very important. Absolutely. How can attorneys effectively distill a complex case into its essence and communicate it visually to jurors? Because mm, that, that's key, isn't it? You know, most cases are complex, or at the very least, they have uh, some complex or unfamiliar concepts in them. But most cases I work on are very complex. So it's key to distill the case to the essence, to its essence first. I mean, before you do anything else, really, before you hire a ton of experts, before you get a hire, get some animations done, before you do key depths, before you do key depositions, you have to distill to know what the case is about. So you're not going down rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a Russian proverb. If you chase two rabbits, you won't catch either one. And I see uh, lawyers uh, wasting energy, wasting time, resources, spinning wheels, chasing down multiple rabbits, hoping they'll find the, the right rabbit. Um, but it it squanders a lot of energy, diffuses uh, a lot of intellectual energy and a lot of firm resources. So my process intentionally begins with simple steps to distill the case, because mm -hmm. until you make the problem clear, you're never going to solve it. And this process is based on Rodney Jew's anchor, link, and payoff approach, which he and I used uh, on every case we worked on together. And that's about all I can say about it without you know, describing the entire process, but we, we always begin with distilling the case first. Like any in industry and business, I'm sure you have some struggles and challenges here and there. What are some common challenges you face when implementing a visual trial strategy and how do you overcome those difficulties? Hmm. I will say that it can be hard to get lawyers to simplify. And the simple reason is, the way I see it, lawyers have the curse of knowledge. They know so much. I mean, they're smart individuals, highly educated in a general sense, but they know so much about their case that it can be such a challenge to tease it all apart and to see what's important, uh, what's less important, what's irrelevant, and sometimes what can even kill their case. They just mm -hmm. they just see so much um, so much information. It looks so rich to them, and they're like, "Well, what about this? What about that? Let me show you this. Well, this is important too." And, you know, add to that, trying to get all that message distilled for an audience of lay people who probably don't want to be there and probably aren't all that interested, <laughs> at least at first. And that takes, you know, looking at the case through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the saying goes, walk a mile in a man's shoes. And uh, like Rodney, my mentor always said, well, first you have to take off your own shoes. So it's hard for lawyers to do that. It's hard for them to... Um, take off their lawyer hat, um, put on that beginner's mind to see it through the eyes of people who don't know anything about their case and probably don't have the same foundation of even general knowledge that they do. Because mm -hmm. jurors are, they come, they take all comers. You know, they, you might have somebody high school educated, you might have uh, somebody college educated, but people have different life experience. So I, in my work, I kind of serve as like this ambassador between the lawyer and the jury, you know, so mm. I understand enough of the law. I've worked on hundreds of cases, but I know what jurors need in order to understand. And so if I can't get it to make sense to a layperson in a visual uh, in a series of visuals, that's a key. We need to drill down more. We need to simplify more. And some, if something doesn't make sense or if it doesn't seem credible, um, I'll be the first to say something. So I'll, I'll be a thorn in the lawyer's side. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a yes person. <laughs> I'll I love be the it. First to, 
to, to raise my hand because I want them to prevail, to see us succeed. They're on the right side of history. So if something is going to get in the way, uh, they'll hear it from me. But getting Absolutely. lawyers to simplify and distill um, is difficult. I always put on my, my skeptical juror hat when I work on a case. I love it. <laughs> That's a great approach. Um, Amy, can you provide examples of successful visual trial strategy used in high profile cases and its impact on the jury's decision making process? I know you worked on a few of these types of cases. Yeah, many of the cases I work on are the ones you, you never hear about, that they're uh, successes for the lawyers, they're good recovery for the, the families and the individuals. But maybe they're not like on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. But many of the cases I work on do end up on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And this was a, a very good year. I was involved in the uh, 3M military earbud cases. Um, that was a really large settlement, a multi-billion dollar settlement with um, with 3M. And I worked on a lot of the exhibits for that case. So Cong the neat congratulations. About, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And a lot. the neat thing about visual trial strategy is they are trial exhibits but they are so powerful in mediation. They are so, so powerful in mediation. So we always create them with trial in mind, but it doesn't always have to uh, be implemented in that environment. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, this year I also worked on the jewel cases, the uh, those vape pens. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so that, that was, uh, it was a good year for, for large cases as well. Wonderful. What role does a storytelling play in visual trial strategy? Well, humans are visual creatures, as I've noted, but we're also storytellers by nature. So I think really those two qualities are probably the most basic elements of what make us human. Our visual nature, our highly visual a learning nature, and then also our nature as storytellers, because we're social animals as well. Storytelling is a big part of how we communicate as social beings. And we know that cases are not decided entirely by law, logic, and fact. I mean, to be sure, we have to have law, logic, and fact on our side, because that's foundational. But if it were just a matter of law, logic, and fact, we'd be able to uh, feed all of that into a computer and the answer would pop out. And I don't know, maybe with AI that's coming. But <laughs> That's now. what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> But cases are still decided by a jury of our peers, so the case must make sense to them, not only factually and logically, but also emotionally and at a gut level, mm -hmm. at a gut level. So story mm -hmm. is powerful because it can encapsulate and convey all of these levels, and they all matter. So with visual trial strategy, the visuals become benchmarks to the entire story. Mm -hmm. So the storytelling is woven through each of the visuals. It's not visual trial strategy doesn't mean a board or a slide here or there, you know, over the course of a week long trial, um, like just for the complicated parts. Um, it's visuals to underpin every meaningful point in the case, even the quote unquote, like easy parts, even the, the simple parts, like weaving it together, weaving together the whole story. So it ends up being a lot of visuals and used throughout the entire trial, you know, opening, case in chief, closing. And I'll tell you what, jurors are grateful. Visual trial strategy helps jurors to understand, learn, remember, and care about a case. And uh, Amy, how can plaintiffs' attorneys effectively incorporate storytelling techniques to engage jurors? And you, have, you, you touched on this a little bit, but maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. 
Well, you know, my, my short answer is, yeah, to use visual visuals to support every, every meaningful point in the case. So like the storytelling almost becomes like a picture book, you know, like mm-hmm. as any parent at bedtime can attest, you know, a picture book is very compelling. <laughs> and of course, jurors are not kiddos at bedtime, but they are subject to the same uh, cognitive principles that make picture books effective for storytelling. You know, we're all human beings. Uh, they help juror attention stay focused. They help explain complex ideas. And uh, the visuals uh, help when the jurors tune in and out when they come back to you, because they, they will naturally tune in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they come back, they have something uh, to get up to speed with and say, okay, well, I'm not totally lost. I'm not, I know what he's talking about because I can see it. So visuals really put meat on the bones of the words. Obviously, words are very important, and they're a key part of our visuals uh, as well. A lot of words, we spend a lot of time editing and refining and distilling. But anchoring the words with visuals, so much power, the visual and the verbal together. And, and some lawyers will say, wow, you know, that, that really sounds like a lot of exhibits. And yeah, it's usually dozens, if not a hundred or more, depending on the complexity of the case. And I do advocate for real live boards, physical boards on easels, like really old mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. not PowerPoint, not animations, but real physical boards. So yeah, we're also talking about a lot of prep and a lot of stuff. You know, you got to have like a hand truck to bring all the exhibits into the courtroom. And, but don't confuse what's easy for the trial lawyer with what jurors need, you know, don't confuse Mm -hmm. those two things. And lawyers Mm -hmm. uh, often ask me, do I really need exhibits for everything? Like, seriously, do I need exhibits for everything? And I respond, no, no, you just need exhibits for the parts that you want jurors to understand and learn, remember, and care about. Totally makes sense. Uh, Amy, are there any specific guidelines or best practices for creating visually compelling exhibits or presentations that align with the visual trial strategy? Hmm. I'd say rule number one is uh, each exhibit must answer one question only. So it's like in deposition, one fact, one question. With exhibits, it's the same. One narrow topic, one exhibit. So there should be one question that you can verbalize that the board clearly answers, like an actual human question that the board clearly provides the answer to. And it's tempting to bite off more. Lawyers are often like, well, let me get this one thing in. Like, oh, well, let me put this other element in. And the next thing you know, the exhibit is trying to answer a bunch of questions. It's trying to do too many things. It's got too many moving parts. And that's confusing and overwhelming to jurors. So you need to break big topics down into their core elements and teach them one at a time with one exhibit each or perhaps even multiple exhibits. Then you have permission to connect the dots for jurors. So that's how we teach more complex topics. But you got to break it down. You got to break it down. Otherwise, jurors will get overwhelmed and say, oh, I'm out. You know, mm-hmm. let me let me know when it's over. <laughs> Absolutely. And how would you say um, attorneys can ensure that their visual trial strategy is persuasive without appearing manipulative or biased to the jury? Right. Yeah. Emotions. Emotions. Yeah. I love this quote from uh, Maya Angelou, uh, the amazing writer, author. She said, uh, I've learned that people forget what you said and people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel. It's, so, it's such a powerful statement and it's really true. 
Emotion is really important when teaching, when persuading, when storytelling, but jurors hate getting played. So they are absolutely allergic to feeling like their emotions are being manipulated. Mm -hmm. And a big part of this comes down to trust and jurors are predisposed to not trust plaintiff's lawyers. You know, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but (laughs) jurors are predisposed not to trust plaintiff's lawyers. Unfortunately, that's a, yeah, yeah. So what that means for trial lawyers is that they must meticulously earn juror trust. So every time you speak, every image you show, you've got to establish and build, you've got to reinforce juror trust. And I'm telling you, if a juror smells for one second that you, plaintiff's lawyer, are trying to play their emotions or trying to get a rise out of them, that will erode that trust. It can destroy that trust in one fell swoop. So the way to work with emotions, like what do we do with that, is by appealing to what we all have in common and very carefully using a high activation emotions, fear, anger, and hope. So we want jurors to be afraid that this could happen to them or someone they love. And we want to empower jurors to take steps to ensure this won't happen again and to try to restore the balance for the plaintiff. So it's based on that fear, anger, and hope dynamic. So it may sound like golden rule, but it's not. And it's not the the way uh, we do it in visual strategy. But that's the way to work with emotions without playing them or trying to get your eyes out of them. So frankly, visual trial strategy is very effective. Can you, Amy, discuss any research or studies that support the effectiveness of visual trial strategy in influencing juror decision-making? For sure, yeah. The work I do is really based on research. It's based on uh, cognitive science, neuroscience research. Of course, I even consider the work I do research in the sense that each success uh, translates into the the next case. And that's why this body of work I have is always refining and getting better, but I am not a scientist. Um, But in terms of like scientific research, uh, as I mentioned, it's well accepted that at least half of the human brain and perhaps as much as two thirds of the human brain, somewhere between half and two thirds is devoted to seeing and interpreting what we see. It's totally non-controversial neuroscience fact. Human beings are visual creatures and that fact alone uh, tips the scales heavily towards visual trial strategy being the strongest approach to advocacy in the courtroom. Um, But there's quite a bit more evidence and research supporting uh, visual trial strategy. Um, For instance, uh, some listeners may be familiar with the cognitive principle called the pictorial superiority effect. I always talk about this in my presentation. So it's a fancy name for a very simple concept. So if I present information orally, so just only verbally, um, people can remember about 10% of what I say three days later. But if I add a picture, to support what I'm saying, recall three days later soars to 65%. Mm. This has been demonstrated again and again in research. Um, So that's, it's more than just learning, it's also the memory. And you want jurors to remember your case as when maybe it takes a week to explain it all, but they have to be able to remember it and connect all the dots for them to give you their vote. And another uh, facet of the mind uh, that supports visual trial strategy is the well-known phenomenon of mind wandering. I mentioned that a bit earlier. I mean, we've all experienced it, right? Um, Even when we are ostensibly paying attention, 
I mean, we've got our serious faces on, <laughs> but on the inside, <laughs> we're thinking about what's for dinner and we're thinking about how our shoes are uncomfortable or uh, we're remembering some event or, you know, planning our next vacation in our head. It's, so it's been established again and again uh, through the research that the mind is wandering at least 30% of the time. And that's just normal. At least 30% of the time, your mind is like reaching all over monkey mind doing this, that, and the other. And in some cases, like when something feels boring, mind wandering can like shoot up to like 70% of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this was discovered when researchers were trying to study um, some thought process. So it was like a cognitive science research study. And the subject's minds kept wandering, like they couldn't focus consistently or they wouldn't focus consistently on the task in the experiment, whatever the task was. So it was so frustrating to the researchers. They're like, can't you guys just do the experiment or trying to get you to like solve some puzzle or something? But eventually the researchers decided to study mind wandering itself. And they were like, they learned that that's how the mind is built. That's how the brain mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's a feature, not a bug. You know, it sounds like, oh, well, that's a bad thing if the mind wanders. No, it's part of how we scan the environment for new stimulus. It's part of how we solve problems. It's just part of the way the brain works. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I tell lawyers, yeah, lawyers should absolutely take it for granted that jurors' minds are tuning in and out mm -hmm. one by one. They don't do it all in unison. They just, it's like popcorn. They're tuning mm -hmm. in and out one by one during the presentation of the case, no matter how interesting the case is, no matter how compelling the lawyer is, it's just how it is. So when a juror does tune back in and, and you're talking about something completely different than when they tuned out, how will the juror feel? You know, will they feel lost? Will they feel confused, frustrated? So with visuals to support every meaningful point in your case, jurors cannot get lost. Mm -hmm. They have visuals to hang their hat on as they tune in and out. They can't get lost. Definitely. Brain is very, very complex, very unique mechanism, just mind-blowing and fascinating. Uh, mm -hmm. What are some potential pitfalls or mistakes to avoid when implementing visual trial strategy? What do you do in your situation for your company? Well, I, I can think of a few pitfalls. Um, one is starting too late with visual strategy. I sometimes get calls uh, from lawyers just saying, hey, I've, I've got a trial starting next week. Can you make some exhibits for me? And I say, uh-oh, well, first of all, I'm booked. But <laughs> secondly, it's too late. Visual trial strategy begins at the beginning, like mm -hmm. as early as case intake. It's part of the strategic process of developing the case. And yes, you're creating exhibits as you go, but that enables you to see how things hold together. You know, like it happens to me all the time. I have an idea. It sounds so good in my head. And then once I make it real, I'm like, whoops, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that doesn't look quite like I thought it was mm -hmm. going to look. Mm -hmm. And that's the way visual tri trial strategy is. It helps you with case development. So it's not something that gets done on the, ease, the eve of trial. And visual trial strategies, it steers discovery. And it makes discovery more efficient, more cost-effective, because you know exactly what you need to go get to, uh, to complete your case and, and communicate it. So that's one, that's a pitfall. Another pitfall I've kind of alluded to it several times here is too much on an exhibit. Like, oh, let me just put this one this one more thing on. Let's just make the type smaller so this other thing will fit. And that's, it's for some reason, this natural inc inclination for lawyers. So, because they have so much cool stuff they wanna share. So mm -hmm. distilling 
distilling the case is important to get irrelevant things out. But then also, you know, I help keep them honest with the exhibits. Hey, this is getting too packed. This is too much stuff on an exhibit. What the solution to that is, you just make two exhibits. <laughs> if you have exactly. that much you really want to share, just mm-hmm. split it up. You chunk mm-hmm. the information and jurors will be so grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I would say the third pitfall, I see it more and more. And I've also mentioned that I'm super old school about boards in the courtroom and jurors love boards is the pitfall of relying too much on technology. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they'll commission some fancy fly through of the human body or, or an accident recon and they, it's sexy, it's expensive. <laughs> and very often it focuses your attention on the wrong thing, you know, something that is not helpful to the case or maybe even hurt the case. Um, and if it is key to the case, how many times can you play an animation before the other side says, you know, okay, object, you know, no more. Mm-hmm. Will every juror have gotten it, you know, or will they've been like, nah, I, I, I don't, I don't really quite get it. So with boards, mm-hmm. you can really slow the process down. And even when, uh, well, I'll say this, very few cases in my experience are about time and motion. You know, even a, a crash, a truck crash or a car crash is very rarely solely about time and motion. It's about decision-making and the decision-making is very often much further back in time. So we can, we can break that down into static boards and teach that. It's very rarely about what we speculate happened right in the moment of the crash. Mm-hmm. And and just in summary, can you kind of um, summarize how attorneys can mitigate those mistakes, those those pitfalls when implementing yeah. visual trial strategies? Well, you know, for the the first one, you know, most lawyers start too late. Start at the beginning. You know, start visual trial strategy process at the beginning of case development. Start, you know, very often at case intake. I work on a lot of cases that are you know pre-suit. You know, they haven't even filed yet, um, or fairly early on. So it may sound completely crazy. You're like, why are we hiring the visual person? And we haven't even filed yet, but it makes a difference. Um, Definitely, you know, even if you're further along, uh, you want to start the process before key depositions are made because it'll really refine uh, your, your deposition and you'll get, you'll get better quotes that way, more powerful quotes, more damning quotes. Mm -hmm. And then um, for the second one, you know, when exhibits are too packed, they're not effective. Like I said earlier, each exhibit should answer one simple question only. So if you find yourself trying to squeeze more in, that's like your spidey sense should be tingling. You know, you're, you're going to dilute the straightforward answer to that question. Then simply break that content off, split it, find a way to create a, a second exhibit that supports whatever that new information is answering. Or you can have multiple exhibits that serve one question. We do that a lot. Okay. Um, then you can strategically sequence once you have them all in front of you. You think of them like tiles. And you may toss a couple. You may say, wow, this one en- ended up being much more powerful than this other one. We don't need that second one. Mm-hmm. Or you might use them both uh, in service to a, a bigger question. And you may need to create more to fill in some gaps. Once you once you see it all, uh, then then you can do that that kind of analysis but keep each exhibit simple or you risk overwhelming and losing jurors for sure. Okay. And if someone is, go ahead. Well, and then the third one, you know, in terms of tech in the courtroom, I'm shamelessly old school boards. (laughs) I advocate for boards and, and 
lawyers often ask me, you know, am I saying that animations or movies never have a place in the courtroom or or even PowerPoint? Not at all. And because I, I rarely speak in absolutes, and I hear from a lot of lawyers who are doing great work with boards and electronic media. But I do think, and my research shows that high tech and animation way overused in the courtroom. They're rarely the best tool for teaching. They are sexy. <laughs> they attract attention. They're uh, they're expensive, but they are not the best way to teach, to persuade, or to earn jurors' trust, which is so key. Okay. And if someone is, is in need for a visual trial strategist for their trial, Amy, or they want to gain some CLE hours or simply want to learn about the advantages of services that you offer, how can they locate you, Amy? Please, do you have a website, social media yeah. platforms? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my website is amygall.com. So that's A-M-Y-G-H-A-L-L.com, amygall.com. And then right on my site, there's a link to email me directly. And please be in touch because I love being in touch with lawyers who are doing this important work. We're all on the same team. We all benefit by being connected. Um, I offer a series of CLEs that teach visual trial strategy from the ground up. And these are truly in-depth CLEs uh, that I, they were a long time in the making, um, really a culmination of you know, my many years doing this work. They're exclusively for plaintiffs, lawyers, and their teams. They are self-study online, and they include a lot of uh, downloadable exhibit templates, step-by-step uh, -step toolkits, and more. They are not graphic design courses. They are for trialers and their teams. So I created these CLEs to be truly useful to firms. Um, and my, you can find my CLEs at trialstrategyacademy.com. And I will say I love LinkedIn and I'm very active there. I love to see what firms are involved in, what they're accomplishing, the challenges they're facing. I love to share things too. So on LinkedIn, just search Amy Hall Visual Trial and I'll pop right up and please reach out uh, so we can be connected. That's so great. Amy, thank you again so much for finding time to talk with me today about visual trial strategy, what it is and how relevant it is when it comes to jurors and for being my very special guest on It's Time for More Injury Finding podcast today. I love your story. Absolutely, Amy. That was visual strategy mentor Amy Hall with visual trial strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for watching and listening to our story about visual trial strategy. Um, until you make the problem clear, you're never going to solve it. Visual trial strategy means identifying what a case is really about, distilling it to assessments and teaching it to jurors. Give jurors what they need, when they need it, to reach the conclusions you want. That's what uh, that's what Deb Amy was telling us about today. Uh, and for more tricks and tips on legal funding and personal injury law-related topics, follow me, like, and subscribe at More Injury Funding. And it's time for More Injury Funding podcast on YouTube, Spotify, by Amazon Music, um, Google Podcasts, and other podcast uh, platforms worldwide. Also follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, um, Google uh, Business Profile, and on my website at moreinjuryfunding.com. That's with two O's. I can't wait to see you and, and hear you all, my dear listeners or viewers, again soon. And for now, thank you so much.